Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To my bed crimers, hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Let me just ask that after listening to and or watching the video, if you found you enjoyed it, please do me a favor, smash that like button. And if you want to support the work I do, please consider a Patreon membership. You'll find a link in the description. Now, let's dig in. Well, good morning. Hope you guys are all doing great. John Ray, an attorney representing the family of a victim found murdered along Gilgo Beach in Long Island, joined the Suffolk County Police Commissioner yesterday in announcing new evidence linking alleged serialist Rex Heuerman, who's currently charged with doing in three women whose bodies were found along the remote beach highway to two additional victims. One of the victims John Ray represents is Shannon Gilbert. Shannon Gilbert was a young woman who was working as an escort when she disappeared in May of 2010 on Oak Beach in Long Island. Oak Beach is adjacent to Gilgo Beach. Gilbert's body was found in a coastal marshland on Oak Beach in December of 2011. It was the search for Gilbert that led to the discovery of 10 sets of remains, including eight other women along Gilgo Beach. Rex Heuerman is currently charged with doing in Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello, and then dumping their bodies wrapped in camouflage burlap along Gilgo Beach. Heuerman has also publicly been named as the prime suspect in the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, but he's not been charged in her death. Of course, he is presumed innocent at this time. On Wednesday, Ray held a press conference alongside Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison, where he revealed that additional witnesses have come forward that connect Heuerman to Shannon Gilbert as well as to Karen Vergata. Vergata was also working as an escort when she vanished in 1996. Her remains were found in pieces, if you know what I mean, in two separate locations. Her feet and legs were found on Fire Island in 1996, and her skull was discovered on Gilgo Beach in April of 2011 but it wasn't until August of 2023 that her remains were finally identified. John Ray having Police Commissioner Harrison with him yesterday lends more credibility to what Ray shared during the press conference, in my opinion. During that press conference, two witness affidavits were shared with the media. Both of them were taken by Ray. Neither witness has been identified by name, Note that four witnesses in total spoke to John Ray, but he only shared these two signed affidavits during the press conference. The first witness was described as a taxi driver in Suffolk County. She said that she'd been dispatched to a bar in October of 2009, where she was supposed to pick up a person named Matt. I'm going to read her affidavit to you now. I once lived in Suffolk County, New York. I am giving this affidavit of my own free will. I'm not under duress nor coercion, nor the undue influence of anyone. 
I contacted John Ray by telephone on September 15th, 2023. I did so because I'm aware that John Ray has been representing the family of Shannon Gilbert. I trust him. I had seen him on TV. I'm aware that John Ray has drafted the words in this affidavit. He has done so with my consent and at my direction. After an extensive conversation I had with John Ray regarding that which is contained in this affidavit, the words herein accurately reflect my knowledge and information. I adopt the words in this affidavit as my own words. In or about October 2009, I was a traffic driver in Suffolk County, New York. I was employed as a taxi driver by Colonial and other companies at that time. I believe my employer was located in Sayville, New York. My employer's dispatcher directed me at that time to drive to a little road off of Ocean Avenue in Rinconcoma to pick up a customer. This place was a bar not far from exit 59 of the Long Island Expressway. I was to have picked up a person named Matt. When I arrived at the bar, I observed an extraordinarily large man wearing an army-like fatigue jacket crouching down on a very small street next to the bar where I had pulled up. He rose so that I observed his immense size. He approached my cab. He appeared to be wearing jeans and a white t-shirt. His hair was more or less light-colored but not blonde. He was a white man. I've been told by my dispatcher the place of destination for this customer, but I no longer can recall that location. This large man approached my taxi to enter it. His words to me seemed arrogant. He entered into the rear of my taxi. He sat in the rear seat, on the edge of the seat and in the middle of it. He said words to the effect of, We're going for a long ride in the woods and indicated that we had to pick up a girl who was in a house across the street from the bar. My taxi was stopped very close to that house on a very narrow side street. I could see a white girl in the window in that house. I believe the window in the house where I saw the girl was open. I told the large man that I could not take him on the trip he had indicated, that I had to clear it with my dispatcher. He argued with me. He said words to the effect that, are you being a smartass? As we argued, he said to me that he wanted to kill me if I would just give him a reason to do so. He insisted he wanted to kill me. I heard him click a gun. While this occurred, I could hear my dispatcher yelling words to the effect that, You got a gun on my driver? I see you. I got a call into someone. I said words to the effect that, I don't even know you. The large man had a sort of identification chain hanging on him, but I could not see the full ID. I asked him if he was a cop. He said he was a cop. When I asked him where he was a cop, he replied, Brooklyn. I told the large man to just get out of my car and I would not press charges. Then a man who I subsequently took to be the girl's boyfriend as told to me later on by the dispatcher, pulled into the home's driveway. I turned off the car. I said that he could have my money. I asked him would he speak to his mother that way. He replied with intense anger that my mother is dead. 
My dispatcher said to him to just walk away. The large man stepped out of the car. He leaned into the front passenger window. The dispatcher told me that the large man asked the boyfriend and girl for a ride, to which one of them replied words to the effect that, no, the cops are on their way. The large man went into a nearby wooded area and shot his gun off two times, according to the dispatcher. I had already started the car, and I had already driven down the street when the large man did whatever the dispatcher told me that he did. As I drove down the street, a Suffolk County police officer in a white and blue police car approached from the other direction with no headlights or siren. The officer had dark hair, appeared to be in his 30s in age. I told the police officer that the large man had pulled a gun. The officer told me that he was responding to a call, that the dispatcher had called in, and a girl had also called in. I said to him words to the effect that, he's one of yours, he had a bad night, he pulled a gun. The officer's vehicle then creeped down the street past my car. I drove away to other calls. I told my family members about this incident, including my nephew, who was a police officer, and I told my sister of the event described above. I also told other other drivers of the event. Recently, I saw Rex Uriman on TV. He was the large man that I encountered in the incident, and he was the large man I saw in the incident I described below. I was afraid of him. I now know him to be known as Rex Uriman. In another incident, which preceded the one above, by at least several weeks, my dispatcher sent me to pick up a passenger at the Sayville Motor Lodge on Sunrise Highway. I was told by my dispatcher that the prospective passenger had asked for a female driver and that she had locked herself in a bathroom in a room at the motel. I drove in behind the motel. I saw a dark, apparently greenish-gray SUV on a side street near to the motel. I drove into the parking lot to the left. I looked for the correct room number. When I located it, I blew my car's horn and flashed my lights at the room. I did these things on and off for seven to eight minutes. No one had come out of the room. Then a very large man came out. He appeared to have a bit of a belly. He ran to the side street. He tried to block his face with his arms. Then a girl ran out. She was petite. She was crying and shaking. She entered my taxi in the rear right seat. She said that we had to get away from there. I noticed that one of her eyes had something defective about it, that it appeared to droop. Her hair was pulled back neatly, like a ballerina would have done. She wore jeans and a shirt. She was not dressed provocatively. She said that she was glad that she had gotten me as a driver. The girl told me that she met the large man on Craigslist. He befriended her, she said. She said that he said to her that he would take care of her mom, her sisters, and her boyfriend. She said that he placed a thick white envelope on the nightstand in the room. She said that he told her that whatever happens tonight, this envelope was for her and her family. But she said that she saw a rage in his face. She said that when he went to the bathroom, she looked into the envelope. She said that the envelope was filled with cut-up paper. She said that he shook her and that he was aggravated. She said that he frightened her. And this driver said that she later realized after watching TV 
that the woman was Shannon Gilbert. So that's the first affidavit. Oh my God, could this be the connection to Rex Huerman? If this is true, then Huerman would have known Shannon Gilbert prior to her disappearance on Oak Beach in May of 2010. You may recall that Gilbert dialed 911 in the early hours after having a tryst with a man who lived on Oak Beach. She was frantic and wanted the police to come to her location, but because she'd had a driver take her there, she didn't know where she was. She knew she was in Long Island, but she couldn't say I'm on Oak Beach. She didn't have the John's address. She told the dispatcher at one point, these people are going to kill me. Saying these people made it seem like a group of people or at least more than one person was chasing Gilbert that night. Could Hewerman have been there? It sounds like the police are going to have to now reinvestigate Gilbert's case. They concluded years ago that Shannon Gilbert's death may have been accidental and due to a drug-induced state of confusion and paranoia. Now, a second affidavit came from a woman who says she was a former swinger, which she defined as a person who partners with another person, then that partnership has gets jiggy, I'm going to say gets jiggy, with other partners or groups of partners. Now I'm going to read you that affidavit. And I'm going to say get jiggy for the three-letter word that starts with an S and ends with an X. I am over 18 years of age. I reside in the state of New York. I am of sound mind and memory. I have come forward to state facts, which I personally know to be true. I have stated these facts to John Ray, and in this affidavit, I have asked John Ray to prepare this affidavit to reflect my words and my knowledge. This affidavit contains my words and my knowledge. I have determined to come forward with facts within my knowledge because I wish the truth to be known about Rex Huerman and others, including his wife Asa and a woman I believe to have been caring in Vergata. I believe that great harm came to that woman. I believe to have been Karen Vergata when she was at the Huerman home in Massapequa Park, New York in or about Valentine's Day in 1996. I feel a heavy responsibility to her. That is why I contacted John Ray. T here, let me interject. So Karen Vergata went missing on or around Valentine's Day in 1996. Okay, so now I'm going to continue. I am a former swinger. I am 54 years old. A swinger is a person who partners with another person. Then that partnership has gets jiggy with other partners or groups of partners. I formed a partnership with an NYPD policeman in or around 1996. His name is known to me and to Mr. Ray. I call him R.W. He had been a police officer assigned in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. He became a detective. He was handsome. I loved that man. We became partner members of a swingers club known as Trapeze. I believe it was in Lower Midtown in Manhattan. Sex amongst partners there was common and encouraged including on the premises. I believe that as many as 300 members and their partners could be there at any time. I and RW went to trapeze several times and engaged, got jiggy, with other couples there several times. I saw others having 
can get jiggy there as well. Getting jiggy took place in rooms and in a big room as well. Several members were police officers. Several members were from Long Island. Members were enabled to post messages and contact information on a wall. Either Rex Huerman or his wife Asa posted contact information for them in a house in Massapequa Park to engage there in swinger getting jiggy. In 1996, I and R.W. chose to go there to the Huerman home in February 1996. R.W. picked up a woman I believe to be Karen Vergata in New York City on the way to the Huerman house. She was hungry and homeless. She sat in the back of the car. She leaned forward and to the right. When we stopped for gas, she said that she was scared. I told her not to be scared because R.W. was a cop. She couldn't be safer than being with a cop. I told her to ask at the house when we arrived to take a shower and for food. We entered the Hewerman home by walking around the side of it. It was in the night. Inside the house in Massapequa Park, it was dark. Karen went downstairs. I stayed upstairs with Asa. My partner, who I believe was bisexual, kept disappearing. I believe he was elsewhere in the house having getting jiggy with Rex. I believe I got jiggy with Rex as well. Picture your host throwing up. I never went downstairs. Asa told me words to the effect that Rex brought her from her country and that everything she had, he has given to her. She said that she was lucky that he was rich. She said she was also afraid of Rex. I do not know if she was truthful. I don't think that I ever went downstairs. I went toward the back of the house asking RW, where are you? He came out from the back, what seemed like from a room. I also saw a Christmas tree on the main floor, yet it was long past Christmas. I wondered why there was still a Christmas tree up. I believe R.W. and I went there at the Hewerman home on or about Valentine's Day. I believe that because R.W. and I would swing on holidays like Christmas, Valentine's Day, Halloween, and other such holidays. I also saw two large seashells shells on a shelf in the house. I recall thinking that they were like shells from the country where I had grown up, country's name known to Mr. Ray. I asked Asa if she had friends from my country. I do not remember what she replied. I had also asked Asa if she wished me to perform Get Jiggy upon her, but she said that she didn't wish that. I recall that Rex went outside and started a fire in what appeared to be a large barrel. R.W. wished to leave. I went with him to his car. We left from the back door. R.W. complained that he lost his belt. He went back to the house to retrieve it. I saw the face of the woman I believe to be Karen up against a window at the house. She looked scared. I had a sense that she was calling for help. I told R.W. of this. The woman I believe to be Karen suddenly ran outside naked and ran about the garage. R.W. had gone to the back of the house to look for his belt, but he was then back in the car. R.W. told me not to worry about her, that she was okay. They were only playing a game. We left without her. I felt uneasy that we left without the woman. I saw Rex on TV recently and a picture of Karen Vergata. I recognized her as the woman who R.W. and I brought 
to Huerman's home. I was shocked and deeply sorrowful for having left her behind at Huerman's house. I told John Ray of these things because I needed to speak with him so that Karen would not be left behind again, end quote. So guys, at first I thought that that belt might be the belt that was found with victim Maureen Brainerd Barnes' body, but the initials on that belt were either WH or HM. So that belt likely belongs to Rex Hewerman and not to the person referred to as RW in this affidavit. And I also don't think that this particular police officer could be James Burke. Remember him? He was the former police chief of Suffolk County who was arrested and convicted of misconduct and who also had allegedly a relationship with an Escort, so I don't think it could possibly be James Burke. How many police officers in this town were into this kind of stuff? Sounds like a lot. I would say that if all of this is true, then it's fairly damning for Hewerman's wife, Asa Ellerup. It would seem to indicate that she was well aware of her husband's alleged appetite for getting jiggy with escorts and others, and that perhaps she too was into this stuff. Of course, that doesn't mean she's a violent person who also allegedly participated in the crimes her husband is accused of. Remember, per the police, Asa Ellerup was away from home and traveling back when the three Gilgo Beach victims were harmed, the three that Rex Hurman is charged with murdering. But then again, strands of Ellerup's hair were found on or near three of those victims. But for Karen Vergata, this would indicate Asa was home when she was harmed and then went missing. It sounds like, if we are to believe this, that Asa was okay with escorts, but if Rex is the person who harmed Aaron, did Asa know about it? Wouldn't that make her culpable in the crime? But again, if we are to believe this, then it sounds like she felt very thankful to him for taking her away from her home country, which is Iceland, and bringing her to the U.S. and supporting her with the monies he made as an architect. So was she so beholden to her husband that she felt like she had to tolerate this kind of thing? Remember when Asa was informed of her husband's alleged crimes, she reportedly said, well, it is what it is. To me, this indicated that whatever evidence the police showed her was undeniable or that she already had an inkling that her husband husband had a violent side. Just my opinion, but she didn't seem to fight the cops' accusations against her husband from what we've heard. You'd think that a woman who was married to a man for so many decades would defend him and say, no way, my husband isn't capable of that. Now, maybe she said more behind the scenes than we were told. Who knows? During yesterday's press conference, Ray offered himself as being available to any other potential witnesses who could have information about the case. Later that day, in a statement after the conference, Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tierney said that Ray was not a member of the Gilgo Beach Homicide Task Force and that none of the prosecutors had received any advance notice about these two affidavits. Additionally, Tierney said, any citizen who believes that they have relevant evidence regarding the Gilgo Beach investigation 
information should report it to the investigative agencies that comprise the task force. Those agencies are the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, the Suffolk County Police Department's Homicide Bureau, Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, New York State Police, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Private attorneys are not part of the task force and potential witnesses should not be reaching out to a private attorney with an interest in the outcome of the case, end quote. Very interesting that the Suffolk County Police Commissioner joined Ray for this press conference, but then the district attorney comes out and says this. You'd think the police commissioner would have warned the DA about the press conference and filled him in about the two signed affidavits. The big takeaways from this press conference for me are a connection may have been made between Hewerman and Shannon Gilbert. Her dying out there on Oak Beach then has to be reevaluated. And if Hewerman was in that situation with Shannon Gilbert earlier in 2009, that makes it very believable that he could possibly be involved in the crime that led to her disappearance in May of 2010. The other big takeaway is obviously that if all of this is true, then Asa Ellerup got some explaining to do. And also that she was into this swingers lifestyle as well, possibly. And also that she knew about her husband's tryst with other women and also other men. Is the information supplied in the signed affidavits true? That's the question. Or is this all still allegedly. We don't want to convict anybody or accuse anybody of any crimes until there's actual proof and there's a trial and jurors decide that that person's guilty. So those are my thoughts on this. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.